Sunday's bets, PJ Glasser, Denton Day. Man, Luke List is having the round of the day so far. One shot ahead of Patrick Cantlay, and he's got another birdie look here at seven. He is four under through his first six holes. He's got that one-shot lead over Cantlay and then a three-shot lead over Adam Hadwin, Harris English, Will Zalatoris, and Xander Shoffley, all of whom are tied for third. Max Homa, who I'm sweating out a top 10 finish from. Oh, Den, this thing is just coming right down to the wire, man, and I am not a fan of it. He is eight under par. He's tied for 11th right now, so we'll see what happens. Adam Scott, who I need a top 20 out of. It looks like he's going to have to get to seven under par for me to feel confident. He's at five under right now, and he's playing the 12th hole, so uh, we will see what happens from Adam Scott, but we're sweating out the golf here. Luke List, though, how about that, Dan? It's getting to the point now where Luke List is your favorite at plus 125 to win the Genesis Invitation. You think Luke List is going to get it done? What is Cantley doing? I mean, this dude, Luke List, is storming up the leaderboard, just destroying every hole, and Cantley, who's been playing really good golf this entire weekend, is just completely allowing him to do it. That's why you can never Pretty take much. guys that led the entire weekend, man. Never this do is it. so true. So true. Again, he was up by as many as five shots at one point during the tournament. And uh, right now, he is trailing by one shot. And his good buddy, Xander Shoffley, just bogeyed the seventh hole to fall back to 11 under. So... We'll see if Cantlay can get it going here. He needs to uh, pick it up in a hurry. Like you said, trailing Luke List by one shot. Let's talk some more NFL, Dent. We were talking about some free agency. Let's talk about some news that we've gotten throughout the week. Let's start with the Chiefs, and they have decided to extend their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo. And I think Denton, what's been lost in kind of the Super Bowl and obviously Mahomes' greatness and everybody now the GOAT discussion with him and Brady and Andy Reid's greatness and all this is the fact that how good that Chiefs defense was, man, and how good they are going to continue to get because they have the best secondary in the NFL. They're the best team against the pass in the NFL. Trent McDuffie's an all-pro. Legereus Sneed is excellent. They got, like, hybrid linebackers that can just do it all. It's a really well-constructed defense. They have bought into Spags, and he does a great job with that unit. So... Your thoughts on Spags returning to Kansas City and uh, just what that's going to do for the Chiefs on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, this was, this was an obvious one, right? You can't let Steve Spagnuolo get away from you. He didn't get nearly as much love as I thought he would in the head coaching discussion this offseason, but at the same time, he didn't really have time to go take interviews because the Chiefs were, they were winning. And eventually these teams that are not winning are going to fill uh, their head coaching positions and eventually fill out their staffs, which means he didn't really have necessarily a choice. But if I'm him, I also don't really want to leave. I think this is the best job right now to be a coordinator because you got 15 on the other side. So even if your defense isn't as good next season, let's just say hypothetically, you're still in a really good spot. But man, what he was able to do in the Super Bowl was really, really impressive. And I don't think it has been applauded enough on that final play that San Fran had on offense, right? We've seen the mic'd up version of it this week where Kyle Shanahan, uh, he wants Christian McCaffrey to get the ball immediately. It's not where you know, Brock Purdy went. 
he went the opposite direction and the ball was tipped by an oncoming blitzer. I don't think it's been applauded enough that Steve Spagnola sent his all pro corner as the blitzer. Like that's the guy that I would least expect on a crucial third down in overtime to get blitzed. And he said, no, 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 no. They don't see this one coming. We are sending McDuffie and it worked beautifully. That dude has become a little bit of a wizard as it comes to drawing up blitzes and confusing guys. He did it in Baltimore. He did it in in the Super Bowl. And he kind of did it against Josh Allen in Buffalo as well. He didn't really need to do it that much against Tua, if we're just being honest. But he's done it for three out of the four weeks. And he really made a they, they made a a living off of doing that this entire season. I was incredibly impressed with him. So this is a huge get for Kansas City. The more people they keep in-house, the more fearful everybody else in the AFC and really the entire league should be. It's a really good point. And that blitz, I mean, in the most crucial of times, like you said, certainly Purdy didn't expect it. The Niners didn't expect it. And uh, it was the play of the game. It was able to get Mahomes the ball back, and then we all know what happened. Lukeless, by the way, another birdie. So he goes to 16 under par now, and he is two shots up on Cantlay. It's looking like more and more this is going to be Lukeless tournament to win. He is tied now with Cantlay at plus 130. Zalatoris jumps up to plus 600 after a birdie as well. Cantlay's got a good look upcoming on the par three sixth hole. Uh, so that's one defensive coordinator. The other defensive coordinator with some news today, Steve Wilkes is out as the DC in San Francisco. Really not too much of a surprise, Dan. You could kind of see this coming after the way they performed in the first two playoff games and then the way that their defense just kind of was exposed at the end of that game. They were so good, really for most of regulation, especially in that first half, though, only gave up three points. Again, that muffed punt really changed everything. It's tough, and this is going to be a highly coveted job. I saw that Brandon Staley was in the mix for uh, San Francisco <laughs> to get this job. I was talking about it earlier this week. San Francisco is in a really interesting position because we talked about earlier in the show, feels like they kind of got one more year with this current group that they have constructed before they really have to start making some decisions about what guys they want to un- end up paying. We know they have so many stars on their roster, but it does feel like there are going to be like some opportunities for them to maybe get some defensive coordinators of guys who are current head coaches who have maybe been there before like a Robert Sala, right? Who this is probably his last year with New York. If they end up having another bad season, I think they've kind of given him a pass the last couple of years with Zach Wilson. Certainly it was unfortunate that Rogers got hurt, but I mean, that offense has been so, so bad for the last couple of years. And I think if, if they have another bad year, he's probably out. I think if he is, he certainly could come back to San Francisco And, like, what do the Niners do? Do they really try and make a pitch to, like, Vrabel? Or, again, they're interested in Staley. Do they just hire somebody from within? Do they kind of just make this year kind of their placeholder year and then really try and go after somebody next year? I think the Niners are in an interesting decision. Ultimately, I think they try and get the best available guy who they think could be their defensive coordinator because they know they probably have one year left with this core group. But... Would not shock me, Denton, if uh, the Jets don't have a great year this upcoming season. Salah gets the boot in New York, and he winds right back up in San Francisco. The biggest difference, man, with Salah is you watch him coach that Niners defense. 
he was contagious on the sidelines. You remember how many times he was pumping his fists, screaming, yelling, yeah. like everybody wanted to play for that guy. And then, you know, obviously different pressures arise with being a head coach and being the head coach of the Jets and the New York media and the injuries that they've had to deal with. And I understand, you know, it's a different kind of thing, but I uh, I think bringing him back to San Francisco would, would be good for both sides. So that is something I would potentially watch out for maybe. Salah would be great because Salah's a Kyle Shanahan guy. The tough spot that San Francisco's in right now is that they're running out of what you would consider to be Kyle Shanahan guys to fill the defensive coordinator spot with, right? Like Steve Wilkes was not a Kyle Shanahan guy. He had been a really successful coach in both the NFL and he'd had a little bit of success in college, not a ton, but a little bit, but he'd bounce around to various other spots. He was the best available at the time last year when they lose to Miko Ryans, which they knew they were going to lose. And that hire made sense at the time because Steve Wilkes had just done a tremendous job with the Carolina Panthers at the end of the season, right? Getting them to where their defense was playing really, really well. And it would have been justified if Carolina decided to keep him as the head coach, but they have a tyrannical owner and they wanted an offensive guy uh, to, to work with the quarterback. And then allegedly they went against the offensive guy's recommendation for quarterbacks, right? That's an entire different discussion. But Steve Wilkes was just then available it never felt like he was a Shanahan guy, though. And if you're going to coach under Kyle Shanahan, hot damn, you better really like Kyle Shanahan because he's kind of an a-hole, it seems. He is the ultimate alpha. It is his way or the highway, and that can result in a, in a lot of success. I know he gets clowned a lot on social media because he's now 0-2 in the Super Bowl as a head coach. If you consider the uh, the offensive coordinator role that he had with Atlanta when they blew that 28-3 lead, People are just deciding he's 0-3 in the Super Bowl. Must be nice to get there uh, as often as he has, at least over the past 40 years, right? I think Kyle Shanahan's a really good coach, but that operation is, I don't know if New England-esque is the right word, but there was a Patriot way with New England. And when I look at San Francisco, there's a Shanahan way. And if you can't adapt to that Shanahan way, don't take the job because you're going to be gone. Like it wasn't a surprise to, to you and I, that Steve Wilkes was gone. In fact, we had somebody, I forget who it was, I apologize. But we had, because we, we were loaded with guests last week ahead of the Super Bowl. But we had at least one person, potentially two, that had kind of alluded to, yeah, if they lose, Steve Wilkes is not coming back. So I heard that. I'd heard that from a couple of other people. So it wasn't a surprise, but it feels like everybody else who maybe was not as invested into that storyline entering last week was surprised by this. But if you're not a Shanahan guy, man, like, it's going to be really difficult to thrive with Kyle Shanahan. It's not impossible, but you have to adapt to his ways or else don't pay rent or pay rent. Don't pay a mortgage, you know, don't buy rent. Yeah, no, no question about it. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what San Francisco does. I assume, you know, when they let go of Wilkes, they kind of had a plan in mind with which direction they wanted to head in. But it's going to be a big decision because a lot of personalities on that defense, a lot of superstars, they had their moments during the season, but certainly were fortunate to get to the Super Bowl. When they did, they played an excellent half of football, two and a half, uh, two quarters and a half of football, and then just fell apart towards the end of the game. Want to get your thoughts on your team, the Washington Commanders, who continue to make moves to their coaching staff. They have brought in Anthony Lynn to serve as their run game coordinator, uh, according to Adam Schefter. So, Dan, I want to ask you, 
we got Dan Quinn as the head coach. We have Cliff Kingsbury as the OC. We have Anthony Lynn now as the run game coordinator. Dan Quinn and Anthony Lynn especially are two coaches that were known as giving up leads when they were head coaches, Quinn in Atlanta and Anthony Lynn as the Chargers. Now, who knows how much this season the Commanders will actually be ahead. We'll see who they take at quarterback. We'll see how their season unfolds. But is it a little concerning to you, from a betting standpoint, do you think the Commanders certainly could be a team to look at that you would like to fade uh, if they do have a lead in the second half, in the fourth quarter, especially with that defense that they had last year? They should be better under Quinn. But certainly there are going to be some growing pains with Lynn on offense and Quinn is the head coach. Is that a team that, you know, you think betters are going to enjoy fading in the fourth quarter? I mean, if you're talking fading in the fourth quarter, let's cross that bridge before we get there. You know, you know what I mean? Because they didn't do a lot of leading in the fourth quarter this past year. I'm not worried. Like, I don't know. I, I certainly I'm not worried about a run game coordinator, to be completely honest. Like, yeah, he might have blown leads as a head coach, but that doesn't really apply to his job now. He just needs to design good runs. If he can stretch the outside of the field, that's all we really need him uh, to do here in D.C. Dan Quinn, I think there's there might be a little more of that, but I like the Dan Quinn hire. I think Dan Quinn's a really good head coach. I love the, the term retread because Dan Quinn has been in this market, PJ, compared very... Uh, very uniquely to Ron Rivera because you can look at just a very surface level approach and you think they're the exact same two guys, defensive guys, uh, lost in Super Bowls, pretty average record as head coach before coming to Washington. So naturally, they're the same people. I, I think they're totally different. One, Dan Quinn is a much better communicator, which I think is massive, especially with this team and where it is. But on top of that, uh, Dan Quinn didn't bring in his entire losing staff like Ron Rivera did. So I think the way that he's right. built this staff, I like Cliff Kingsbury as an offensive guy. Yeah, it didn't work in Arizona. Uh, his quarterback is short. He can't fix the fact that his quarterback is short. That seemed to be, towards the end of the season, the biggest knock on that Arizona offense is that Kyler Murray wasn't playing as well. Well, Kyler Murray can't see over the offensive line. He can't add uh, a couple of inches to the height of Kyler Murray. I like the way that staff is being built out. Obviously, I'm biased. I've been talking about this nonstop for like three weeks now, it feels like. So you're, you're kind of getting the tail end of it. But I like what they've done, at least to this point. We'll see about fading in the fourth quarter. I just like them to have a couple of leads in the fourth quarter before I start thinking about fading them. Yeah, no question. No question. And that's going to be the thing for, for Washington. And, you know, part of their growing process this season is going to be having leads in the fourth quarter. It appears that Drake may likely will be their quarterback. Certainly no guarantees up to this point. We'll have to see, but more than likely they're going to have a young quarterback and, uh, one can only hope he's half as good as CJ Stroud and the commanders have some leads to play with in the fourth quarter.